goddamn much. Whoa, even Brian has me dang old smiling. He would never eat your lunch. Don't wait for cable. You're good and able. Let's watch Family Guy on Hulu. On Hulu, let's watch it on Hulu, Brian. Whew, okay. Excellent, so excellent. You we're supposed to hear that song at the end of the Billy Joelathon, but uh, we had some really fucked up technical stuff happen on that one, so it's yeah. kind of a miracle we had the show anyway. Yeah, and I don't mind saying that that uh, the reason why you are hearing that at the beginning of this episode and not at the end of the previous episode is because of me, but we have fixed that, never happening again. Anytime there's an issue with the show, I feel like it has been my fault so far. <laughs> I edited the, uh, the the Chris Collins episode, and that turned out weird. Uh, did not record the Don't Ask Me Why <laughs> Family Guy parody. But you know what, folks? It's okay. It's all right. We still have the show. We're back, baby. We're back. We took, took a little break because uh, you didn't need to hear our voices. Uh, and honestly, you still don't. But if you would you really, like to, we're back. It was, Yeah, definitely. I think it's like a we're back sort of situation. It just kind of felt, um, I know before we were going to put out the Billy Joel episode, I was a little stressing out because I'm like, the world does not need two guys going off and coming up with the best Billy Joel song right now. I think no. that we came up with a Noah, actually that I'll throw it to you. <laughs> Thank you. You Sean. came up with a good last minute, uh, solution there. And you know, what? we're going to do the same thing this week. Did not talk clear this with you ahead of time. I don't feel, but we're going to have resources and other stuff, places to donate in the show notes this week. Feels like a responsible thing to do without a doubt. Um, but yeah, it just didn't feel like it was appropriate to come back and, do our bullshit for the last two or however many weeks it's been right but we're back now we're back now you have no obligation to listen to this podcast if you are a new person you know i in a lot of ways i would say stay away baby but you know (laughs) i would say if you're gonna stay away make sure you're only here for this episode because we have a special guest mason a very special guest can you get our guest introed Oh, I'm so excited that our guest is our guest this week. You may know him as a writer, as a comedian, as a performer around Chicago when that was a thing that you could do. Uh, He is giving me a lot of quotation marks in the (laughs) chat right here. He is a former (laughs) podcaster. He's actually... The reason why <laughs> I started on this podcast journey, believe it or not, four years ago, I guessed it on a former podcast of his uh, talking yeah. about the music man, and he is returning the favor Wow! talk about a oh, musical man. on this week's show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you may know him from Letterboxd, from Twitter, from just anywhere. I don't know. If you see me online, you probably see him, Thank too. You. Ryan Thank Nelson you. Kenny's with us, everybody. Uh, Let's give yeah. it up for Ryan I, Kenny in the chat. I didn't know that that was your... I mean, the podcast that my friend Caitlin and I had, The Great Polite Way, we were really um, ahead of our time. We were the first podcast that continued to have nobody listening, and we still did, like, 64 That episodes. is double what we at Mason and so, I have done now, and also nobody listened to this podcast, so I think we're continuing the tradition. Except listening now, yes. and is everyone no, listening I listen. now, I love you. I'm a fan. Thank you. This is true. Ryan is actually a fan. He reached out to me and said, uh, would you like to be, can I please be on the show? Little did he know I had discussed with Noah the possibility of getting him on the show. So it's, I'm very excited that you're here, bud. Yeah. That made Welcome. me feel good because there's part of me that's always like, 
because I, I just want to be I, I like the content and I like the the banter and I like the team so I was like I, I would like to be there I want to be included yes. it'd be unfair if I wasn't so thankfully uh, you guys had already discussed that that made me feel yeah. fine that made me feel less embarrassed <laughs> have you been holding up the last couple of weeks but I feel like I haven't talked to you in depth about uh, you know just the world and how you're doing recently <laughs> Uh, Quar has been fine. Um, Thank you for calling it Quar, by the way. Sorry to butt yeah. in immediately as you started talking, but uh, thank you for calling it Quar because I was talking to someone else recently and I called it Quar and they said, what the fuck are you talking about? And I said, baby, it's quarantine, but shortened. It's Quar. It's fun. It's cool. It's snappy. It's hip. We're ready to go. Right. And uh, that's what I, that's how I'm trying to make, you know. The time passed by for sure. With COVID and then you know the revolution happening outside. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, been baby. great, and that's been uh, that, that's been feeling good. There's been a lot of good energy and bad. Have energy, you got? You know. Yeah, have you gone out and like protested, or have you just been? Doing I went. I went to two. Like, mm, very. I cool. went to two. There was like I. I'm. I'm not like a big. I don't know. There's part of me that like doesn't feel comfortable around it, around protests at all, and that seems very like safe for like a privileged opinion and i was just like i just at one point i was like i just need to go so right, i went right and it was perfectly fine and i had a great and i was very moved by the whole thing and yeah <laughs> that's all we can that's yeah, that's good it. you know the revolutionary spirit calls people to contribute what they can yeah. when they can some people got to be on the front lines and protesting all the time other people gotta just uh raise money spread awareness you know it's just it's just you know there's kind of for sure so yeah i, I went to the one down yeah very nice very nice yeah. i just i kind of feel like because i'm still in the burbs uh, yeah. audience good news i will be moving into the city shortly so i feel like i can be able to better amen uh, but i remember yeah and i remember when this stuff started i was um dog sitting for my cousin in this plains which is a uh suburb in the northwest side of uh northwest suburbs of chicago uh and it would be insane because i would get out and i would be on social media uh kind of by myself in this apartment with this little dog and i'd be on social media and be seeing like this like revolutionary spirit happening it'd be very exciting like oh fuck i feel so bad that i can't be out and like protesting and like doing that i i was a little pay pig for donations though i gave a lot of money (laughs) yeah Uh, I, i did the same thing which is kind of how I've been, like, the energy I've been putting into the world. Not to toot my own horn, but that's just how, what I, the most I feel like I can do at this time. Well, um, listen, but, there's, we are, some of us are, like, unemployed and also getting that, like, the surplus with our unemployment yeah. checks. I was like, I'd right. rather be putting money towards that than uh, loans. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, big time. I don't want the money, I, I don't want the money circulating back to the same people that Im- gave it to me. Yo, big time. I can't imagine, like, just paying a loan right now. You know, that just seems like such Hell a weird, no. no, that just seems like such a weird, like, that's another, that's a thing we, we should be leaving behind, another thing. I can't uh, believe that I would ever, like, like, why would you ever pay a loan, period, <laughs> you know, if you have yeah. the choice? Money, money is it, fake, now. it's all fake. The only thing real is love. Oh, hey, wait a second, is that a, <laughs> is that a little, now, is this a way oh, that could have been a segue? That could have been a segue. segue. Are you going to about to segue King us, Ryan Kenny, into Listen. the discussion this week? Listen, Ryan. What you don't know is that now I am the host of this podcast. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> as a as a as a self proclaimed fan of the show, you should know that I am the segue king around here. Yes. Mason <laughs> tries his damnedest to segue King the me, and I feel like when that happens, it's like when 
like the six year old like is beating the grandfather at checkers and he kings <laughs> me and he's like and I'm gonna segue king you Noah but yeah uh, thank you for doing that so you can actually slip us in but I do just want to say real quick uh, I Damn. am uh, high risk for the disease that is plaguing our world right now and so I have been unable yes. to go out to protests but if I literally was not like risking my own like health and life to do it, you know, yeah. uh, being high risk for the disease. I would go out and do it to be honest with you. Like I had never, I've never felt that way before, like prior to all this. And I just wanted sure. to get it out there and be like, yeah. damn, like this is the, I, I feel like I got to be out there, but literally because I am high risk for this, you know, fucking global pandemic. That's also, <laughs> there's two global pandemics happening right now. The first one is COVID-19 and the second one is racism, you know, straight up. And the racism, the racism one's been around for much longer. Yes. hundred percent. Very long COVID, time. COVID is new. It went system. From, no, COVID it went from recurring guest star to, um, to main main cast we have uh we have something to talk about today on the show that i can truthfully say i had never heard of before prior to this podcast so and isn't that isn't that the best thing in the world though that's what we're going to something completely blind this is what we're here for baby yes uh so Ryan, this is a guest's guest choice, a chef's choice this episode. Why don't you get us kicked off and intro your choice this uh, week? Okay, so I, uh, well, when I when we were talking about what I should, if I, what I wanted to talk about a couple weeks ago, excuse me. Pre-revolution. Let's just uh, set the scene here. Pre-revolution. Yeah. Well, I mean, b- before that, um, awoke, rightfully so, and, um, I, I gave you like a list of very Ryan choices. Um, yes. And so I, I, did, I picked yes. something else, and then I was inspired by uh, listening to the soundtrack again. And with um, Spike Lee's newest film being released this past week, yes, uh, I thought I wanted to talk about something that he had done, and that again, I don't think not a lot of people have seen. So I picked um, Spike Lee's recording of the Broadway musical Passing Strange. Yes. Yes. Uh, and it was a uh, 2009, I believe, is the like official release. release. And the musical was on Broadway in 2008. Um, mm-hmm. Very short-lived, very different. Uh, it's a very different type of musical uh, in the best way. That, I had no, a, definitely. I wanted to actually ask you straight up, because it is such a different musical, I, there's there's one there's one real big idea that I want to talk about a little like once we sort of like really get into it but I wanted to straight up ask you first Ryan two questions the first being how the fuck did you come across this <laughs> because so this is wild so I mean if you follow me like on Twitter like are friends with me in real life I'm I'm like a pretty big like show queen so sure. uh, yeah Mason knows that I mean the podcast that we had talked about movie musicals and I. I mean, in high school and like in junior high, it was like big, like, you know, I you know, reading like Broadway websites and Broadway blogs and sure. a very gross part of me, like <laughs> theater kid part of me that like I try to like separate from people. But uh, this was on, on Broadway the same year as uh, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's In the Heights. Wow. Sort of rocket to fame. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so this, it was nominated for like a bunch of. Uh, good slew of the tony awards that year with that within the heights and i saw them perform on that broadcast in 2008 
and that caught my eye. And then it kind of just remained dormant. I had listened to the soundtrack. Not so big boo-boo on, on my end. The cast was dormant, <laughs> I had listened to the album <laughs> of that show. I had listened to the album of that show a lot, and then I had gotten into Stu's uh, actual recording, uh, his own music and his band, mm-hmm. The Negro Problem. Uh, and then not until... 2015 it was on hulu for a long time oh copy that and a friend and i decided to watch it for the first time and it really like blew the head took my entire like face off really that was really, yeah uh, intense experience for me i'm sure i do i don't want to don't want to out you but this is on your letterbox review that you watched that and then decided to come out uh what? after watching yeah, it in 2015 um, yeah that's <laughs> i did I mean, which had, man, there was, I mean, there was a 21 years of like boiling of, of that. Of, of that course, of course. <laughs> but it was like, uh, it was, it was really like a one-two punch. I mean, that was like a big thing watching it and being like, oh, I have to like really like, uh, be the person that I meant to be. I can't like hide and be angry anymore, which is really what a lot of this is about. And then, um, and then the next day, uh, a close friend of mine, Claire, that you know, Mason, uh, we saw Wonder Woman. Yes. I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm gay. <laughs> It was a one-two punch of Stu and Harry Styles and yes, Shane it was. and Kyle Horan. <laughs> but mostly, like, but mostly Patching Strange. Awesome. And I'm such a fan. And I brought, uh, I'm such a fan of the show that I, just for, like, referencing, if we have anything to talk about, I do have the text. Whoa! Look at that! Look at that! The official, Sa- is that Samuel French you got there? That's this is nice... the Dramatist Play Service Drum- copy of Gotcha, it. gotcha. The That's rival nice company is Samuel there. French. Nice big, uh... I think I did buy this at the Samuel French bookstore on Sunset Boulevard. Got to do it. How about that? May she, may she rest in peace. Um, yes. Closed now. Oh boy. But uh, that's an incredible story. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. This was, you know, I had known about your obsession with this musical and I think this play, but like Chef I Noah, I had not... like on Facebook a lot too. Yeah. yeah, you did, and it's it's. I hadn't s- thought to sit down and watch it because it's like. Uh, no, I don't know about how you feel about musicals. I am lukewarm on a musical. Sure. I like going to the theater. I got a couple cast recordings that I will put on repeat sometimes. For it's sure. usually, uh It's sometimes mostly Godspell. I like the show. Really? Is it really Godspell? Okay, you li- I really like Godspell. And honestly, like when you threw one of the your suggestions was Pippin. The cast Pippin, yeah. Pippin. Another and Steven I really do Sh- like well, Pippin a-, a lot. I don't and know that's what Steven Schwartz like a Schwartz pop is. album almost. Yeah. That is, I think that's what it is. Can I tell you, can I tell you boys something that is going to blow your mind right now? I can't wait. I love when you preface something (laughs) with this. I was in a production of Godspell and I played Judas. Yeah. (laughs) No way. You were Judas. I played Judas a hundred percent. It was, uh, what's his big song? His, well, there's uh, All for the Best, which is Jesus and Judas together. All for the Best. Um, I love that song. And then I grew when, up in a Jesus Christ Superstar house, so I don't. Oh, um, okay. So you were not like my in my oeuvre. It's the Cubs it the, versus the, the White Sox on that one. It's you got to be one yeah. or the other. But I, yeah, I played uh, Judas in a production uh, at my school of Godspell. That was like my first musical, and so that's crazy you say that because that's like a musical that to me was like has a lot of importance in my own life. Just being like, oh, that was the first musical I was ever in, even though that sure. musical is like kind of weird and like a little bit esoteric i feel it's like for funky, the general yeah. population you know so very interesting. yeah i think so I all think the best musicals are out there a little bit. totally it's including passing 
strange. Strange. Uh, it's yes. I don't think yeah. that, and I also don't think I knew that uh, Spike Lee had directed this until you had prefaced you had prefaced it in the group yeah. chat when we were practicing this that this was a Spike Lee picture. Um, yeah. And it it is like the timing of this is funny. I as of this recording, I have not seen *The Five Bloods* yet. Can't wait to sit down and give that my three hours. Um, I do like Spike Lee a lot. I. I did just see Malcolm X for the first time, and that is a big time. Holy moly. Ooh, baby. That movie's really fucking good. Um, But, uh, yeah, Noah? Yes. Do you have a second question for our (laughs) friend, Brian? And I want to, before we get too deep, I want to know if you want to ask that second question now or if we should. I'll I'll ask it now. I think this will kind of launch us into the larger conversation as a whole. Uh, And I wanted to know, Ryan, in your opinion, why do you think Spike chose to film the play as opposed to try and adapt it for the screen because there's a really important distinction between the two it's not a movie it's not a film in that you know broad sense that most you know when you think of a movie it's not the social network you know this is a filmed version of a broadway show over you know filmed over the course of three days so what do you think is the reasoning behind that i'm just because someone who's such a big fan for me, I mean, I don't know much about the choice uh, and the, you know, the acquisition of the, getting the production together sure. and getting the film made. Uh, all that I know in my heart is that I think, I mean, you can look at the slew of movie musicals that have been made in the past couple of years, and they lose a lot of, uh, dare I say, blood, and a lot of uh, passion like in them. They become kind of lifeless. Sure. So I think I like that, for yeah. Spike, and I mean, and then Spike is also rolling the dice here. Spike, like I know, <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> but he he's rolling the dice on. It's very tricky to film any sort of concert or theatrical totally. piece. Of course, uh, you yeah. Sometimes you know you sometimes want to go full PBS and just be like, okay, I have one camera, uh, <laughs> on the right house, right house, left, and the back, and that is and that's it. all I'm done all i'm doing and then you have into the woods on pbs yeah and it's like that or like a slew of like other sondheim shows um that have been recorded for tv and so i think here he's really bringing a one the original production together it was a very special thing it was short-lived it didn't li- run very long uh on broadway and it had a very fast track creation period from uh beginning in berkeley to off broadway to broadway so I think there is part of the urgency that people need to see okay, it sure. than waiting yeah. to get a production yeah. together. But I also think you'd lose something, let's say, I mean, you can you can play with it because I think there's a lot of playing with uh, race and casting in the show. It's an, it's an all-black cast, and most of them play a white people throughout, for yeah. most of the entire of the show, really. Um Although they don't make that clear, except for one moment in the second in the second act when they finally say that all the people in Berlin are all white, uh, and the group that he's with. So they and the band and the, oh, of course and the band is all white and Sue's the only black member of sure. the band. So yeah, that's very interesting. And so I think you might lose some of that with making a movie right. of it and going to Amsterdam, going to Berlin, uh, going to film a movie in South Central L.A. You know, yeah, I think that it, the imagery and the poetry. Not to get all, oh, yeah, but I will go <laughs> there. Uh, the, of of just Stu speaking, yep. you're very nurtured by that. I think yeah, you might I, lose that in actual setting. 
because his voice is so, and specifically his voice, like his, like the, the, the air escaping through his vocal cords and him like singing. That's so, um, essential to this, this, both this recording and like the, the book of the musical, um, like this narrator, and it, the, you would lose something, I think, and he if reads you try to adapt it. He does, yeah. He's it, he, he is like behind a dais, like behind a pulpit for most of it, and um, yeah. sort of, and for most of it, uh, what I love about the structure of this musical is that for most of it, he is kind of acting as the observer yeah. or as the storyteller, and it's not until yes. the very, very end where he starts to like get in and which is just like that. I can't, which I love it. Like, it's breathtaking. Yeah, I got I, I I cried a lot last night when I watched it again. <laughs> there's there's no, and I think that that's the thing about this musical. Just to like maybe preface, like just just my first thought that I had when I was watching this, or one of my first thoughts, one of my most persistent thoughts, is that like uh, this is a musical that's like it's about these huge topics and these huge. Um, these these subjects these themes that i think a lot of artists and a lot of art is really trying to like it, it's yeah. when you're talking about art and we're talking about life and you're talking about turning your life into yeah. art and we're talking about making i and that sort of like that constant feedback of how life feeds into art and art feeds into life and blah 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 it's very easy just to kind of get into a place where you're just like like hunched over and looking up your own ass trying to find inspiration but there's such like a um uh, a grace to the storytelling here there's such like an ease and such um an urgency also i think um where you're not distracted by how, like you don't it, it just feels like this is the, the the truest expression of this man's soul and it is he's truly telling you the story yeah. of everything he's learned in his life it's not like um and still learning i think and still learning exactly i think that's the other thing is it's just like it's it's not meta for the sake of being smarter than you it's like yeah. no i recognize as a creator that everybody here in the audience maybe feels this way about their own life and instead of like trying to oh, elevate yeah. himself about it. he's like right there with you i think that's another thing about why spike didn't want to uh just to kind of piggyback off that discussion there you know the, the one I, I quoted this and i said this in my letterbox review of this movie but this really for the most for most of the running time really felt like a stop making sense kind of thing where it's like stop making sense is so effective not as a film and as a concert film specifically because you feel like you're in the audience watching that show and you are having that experience no, but you're there. there you're in the, the exactly the stage with them yeah exactly which and not, I th- which some concert movies will do i mean you feel like you're there but it's not the same it's it's a it might just be luck of who you have there and the content that's being i think that's what it is too yeah through audience through lens you're playing on all those different levels and also in this show and i think also it's not making sense through the people that are on stage you're also feeling everything that they're feeling there's close-ups that, yeah. sp- there, that spike gets that are absolutely like bone chilling um, breathtaking oh my god they're, yeah so they rattle you definitely, i want to want to talk well, on that on that levels just idea just real quick just because it did come up for for if, if it's not clear uh as a listener exactly what's going on there's three levels that i see going on and this was someone watching this me as a first time didn't know anything about this i was going in completely blind i think there's three levels going on here there's a movie a recording if you will that is directed by spike Mm -hmm. lee then on the next level there is a play written by the singularly named Stu. 
So you have a recording mononym mononym of a, a and 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 the and the and the music by his Heidi, Heidi Heidi who plays the bass in the show. Well, that's what I was going to say next is that not only oh, no sorry. you're good. Please, <laughs> no, you we're on the same wavelength here because not only is it a recording directed by Spike Lee and not only is it a play written by the singularly named mononym Stu, it is also in a lot in a lot of ways a concert with music written by Stu and Heidi Rodewald. So you have three yeah. layers of performance going on here, which is insane. I guess if we just went into uh, to finish, I don't know to finish, not to finish the question, but to uh, of why Spike Lee would do this recording. I think there is an urgency of what is passing strange. It it is a musical and I'm going to stand, I'm going to stand by that. It's, uh, it's music theater, but it is, it's story theater. It, is a concert and then it's not at all right it's none of those things yeah um but it chooses to be everything it does and that is kind of what Um. makes it singular in that way is that you can go like for example stop making sense stop making sense is a concert was a concert that happened by the talking heads and you are getting a recording of it by jonathan demi and jonathan demi's crew whereas this is a recording by another acclaimed director of an acclaimed show that is a show within itself that is also a concert, like you were saying, a rock show in a lot of ways. And so you have that yeah. like third, even arguably fourth layer going on, which really just, really, it really categorizes it in a category of its own. Like it really doesn't feel like anything I've seen before for, I'm not going to say for worse, but just, at period, you know, better, worse, and different. Yeah. No, and the and the fact that it ended up on Broadway is like an amazing thing. There's nothing that challenges senses <laughs> ever on Broadway, ever. No, because it's been, like I've what, seen like, a lot of Broadway shows. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like this comes out in 2009, then 2010 is all just like you know, uh, Mean Girls the musical it's or the, whatever. It's the the Ad- yeah, it's the Adams Family. It's Mean Girls. It's Doubtfire. It's Beetlejuice. It's, it's you know, it's it's, it's the same thing that happened with like most culture during the 2010s, which is just like it's sure. just what's the thing that we can do that's going to be really expensive that's going to get a lot of yeah. asses and seats. And it doesn't well, matter. I mean, if I'm, it's not, like, I'm not going to pit. I'm not going to pit two artists together, but you can look if you know. Let's just say you can go see the film version of In the Heights whenever Warner Brothers decides to release yeah. that. Whenever we um, can go back to the movies again, <laughs> for sure. And you can look at this, and they're you know they're on Broadway at the same time, and that is a much that is a very traditional show, not in a bad way, but um, it's just so crazy that they like existed and one has sort of outshined. The that other. is. Um, and it's, it's also crazy that, uh, the actor that plays the youth, the lead guy gun goes on to play Aaron Burr, sir, in Hamilton. Oh, yeah. He played Aaron Burr. He played Aaron Burr in Chicago on Broadway. He's the, I think the longest running. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Daniel Breaker. He's, uh, and the mate again, everyone, all six (laughs) members of the, the acting company of the show. Are insane. They are are all incredible. Well, I I loved. All it's of crazy them. that you know, like you were saying, Ryan, this show had such a, you know, short but sweet run, and I think you know maybe one of the reasons why that is, you know, at least from a performance aspect, is I'm 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 sitting in a chair watching this in my you know yeah. living room, and I'm thinking, how can you do this show eight times a week? You know, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> exhausting i'm sure it was and i'm sure for some for some like Stu and heidi it was like 
unbearable. So do we want to talk about, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're just like kind of following along, you're, you know, just with our show, listening to us talk about whatever. Do you want to get into the plot a little bit here? Do you want to talk about? Oh, sure. Yeah. We're we're keep on talking about like the abstract things about it. But that is. I'm glad we started the discussion off with it, but I do think that we should maybe like, like, pin, like get, just, just bring it back in for a second before we get wide again. So. Should I say that the concert setting, should I set that up at all? Yes, please. Why don't you? Because I think that's that's one of my favorite things about this is just like the, the stage and how the band well, is Well, the on movie the itself stage. is framed that it's the last show. It was recorded, some, some of it is recorded on the last performance ever of Passing Strange, but it was recorded the last three times it was done. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday setup, I guess. But um, they the, sh- the show begins, they come out, uh, Stu and his band, the quote-unquote Negro problem. Uh, Heidi Rodewald and his ex-girlfriend who plays the bass and does vocals, his drummer, guitar, piano. Who's the one that looks like John Bryan? Someone in that band looks exactly like John Bryan. (laughs) I think that was the drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to him. Um, (laughs) But they come come out like it's like a state fair show. Like it's a concert. Totally. There's like some mild applause. (laughs) And they just start. It just begins. There's no like dimming of the lights, nothing, and I think that's another exciting thing. You think a play will, will begin with some sort of like crescendo, of music. right? Like an overture, yeah, yeah, or like you know you're being prepared to be delivered something. Right. Instead, they just sort of come out and they're like, "Oh fuck it, we're just gonna." Stop. Yeah. Yes. Which is so great, and they sing a very pleasant rock song. They introduce, they introduce themselves, and then the play begins, sort of. They, the, the pit, if we're going to call it the orchestra, they're oh. all like kind of in a square and looking at each other. Stu yes, is on his like dais situation. And then they all just like collapse into the stage and they're all like sort of at like shoulder level in the stage as the, as the performers are running around. I love Sorry, it. No, I love that. So like as a, as a guy that did like a fair amount of performing in high school and is like yeah. friends with a lot of performers, obviously I'm watching that and I'm like, that would make me so nervous that I was going to fall and trip onto like into the Brian Eno looking sure. guy. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> like trip fall I, right into the keyboard there and just fuck it up for the night. Yeah. I'm, I'm obsessed like from a staging point of view, which like I should also say the production was directed by a woman named Annie Dorson. She's an avant-garde director. Um, yeah, and she—I think she's also to her. co-creator of the show, sort of. Um, but I love that everything's interrupted. So either when the musical is becoming more of a real musical, there's lots of staging and there's choreography. You're never not aware of the band. And you're never not aware that this is not—I don't want to say not their place, but that this is new territory for them. Mm, that I like that. They yeah. the theater. Almost. Wow, yeah, that's awesome. It, what's amazing about how they've decided to set this up is that you know you would also think well if i'm gonna go see a broadway show then there's gonna be these amazing revolving sets these like you know huge pieces of spectacle there might be someone flying through the air and there is a lot of spectacle in this show just not in the you know exploding car tits on the stage type way you know it's it's uh i think like six folding chairs and the most minimal props ever. (laughs) Yeah. And just the way that they use lighting to emphasize things and the way that Mm -hmm. the, you know, it's spectacle within itself to have, you know, that small amount of people playing all those different characters to watch. And I don't know the name of the performer off the top of my head, but the guy who plays Franklin in the beginning at the church. And then the guy Uh, Coleman Domingo. Yes. 
that. Yeah, he's an amazing oh, actor. He, he was in Link, he was he's in the opening scene of Lincoln. He was heavily featured in uh, Beale Street Guitar. Wow. Two years ago. Okay. Um, he's an he's an amazing actor. That guy. Yeah. And he's on Dominion he's on one of those. Walking Dead. I think he's on the spin. I think he's on Fear, which is like if he's getting like getting Walking Dead money, then like I am so happy for Coleman. Domingo. No kidding. Like, I have not watched <laughs> a, a single one of those Walking Dead shows, but if he if they are paying Coleman Domingo, then they know where they're to spend their money correctly. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, I a, do. I do also love that the set. The set is just like it's lights, it's people on stage, and then all of a sudden, like the curtain falls at some point. And there's just an array of lights behind of everybody, and it's just and... like. Ooh boy, yeah. And then when they neon go to bul- Berlin, neon bulbs and fluorescent bulbs—it's crazy. Something like that, that. Yeah. yeah. And then when they go to Berlin, there's just this huge like brick wall behind them, like oh, yeah. know, the Berlin Wall or whatever. Uh, they really do a lot with a little there. Uh, but the story is basically about this—it's uh, about this guy called the Youth, played by Daniel. Very Brinker. allegorical um, as far as like all these like characters and ideas are concerned. Yeah, and it's interesting yeah. how they're and able to like make it broad and specific at the same time but we're we're getting in more i keep pushing us further away from the actual story mason what is the actual story Um, of this thing so so there's this kid named the youth you get the sense throughout the play that it's he's based roughly on stew and stew is sharing his life story with you but it's like i said it's not like he's taking sort for most of the placing this objective thing he lives in south central la middle class uh just him and his mom and one day they go to church and um, I love this. I love Stu's description of church as being like kind of a fashion show almost. And he and his mom had this mutual the kind of show. the Baptist fashion show. Thank you. Um, had this mutual kind of anxiety of going there, but they have to go because it's like part of the culture, part of their neighborhood, or whatever. So they have to go. Yeah. Uh, and then Stu has this, uh, or the youth has this, like. Um, uh, epiphany that's a religious experience and listening to the music one day and is like oh shit this is what I want to do with my life like this music is God basically and this is I'm going to yeah. be searching after this this real thing this thing better than my humdrum life in south central LA and he goes off to Amsterdam he goes off to Berlin and then at the end of the play he uh, comes back and it all comes sort of full, full circle that way. Uh, it's a very simple, elegant story and it's told mostly through singing. There's not a lot of just like dialogue breaks to my knowledge. It's no, sort of unless, just... unless something sort of really simple that would be almost too flowery and sugary to be told in the song. Exactly. Funny. Yeah, and there's there's such a, a sense of humor I think to Stu's songwriting and to the to the play here because when he's about to leave for um, Europe, they stop the show like this is where I put my um, going away song or whatever they say, and instead they write a yeah. whole thing. They write a whole song about like how he's off to see like Fellini and Godard. He's like, now we don't know how to write this this like this off to like Europe song, but I did watch a lot of European avant-garde films and they yeah. kind of do a little, a little bit. That's really, really funny. He pokes there. so much fun at the form of like musical comedy. Sure. TM. Sort yeah. Of. Uh, but all at the same time, embracing it and then at the same time, checking it out and not producing, I mean, cause he's a, him and Heidi are they're rock musicians. They're, it's not a, a Xeroxed rock score. It is so hard and so raw it's real rock and roll it is that you it rarely re- get it really is and that's yeah. what I, something i wanted to actually just touch on real quick because uh i don't know if this was smart or 
dumb on my end, but I actually decided to listen to the uh, company record the cast recording. Uh, as we know to call it, not the sure. soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, you don't you don't get much of the story from the cast recording. No, because um, I think they record they recorded it live, but not like with the show. They really are just doing the songs. Basically. Yeah, yeah, and I was it was interesting having done that because although I didn't necessarily get like plot beats and really like huge mm-hmm. story beats, I still felt the same. Uh, impact through just listening yeah. to the uh, through the album first, then when going back and actually watching the recording of it, it still felt like you know, damn, like I literally like experienced this like you know two hours or three hours ago, whatever it was when I listened to the album. Like it yeah. is the music is like driving the story and driving those themes and those ideas just as much as anything else up there. In fact, I would argue in some ways more so than their traditional, you know, story or your traditional play or whatever. No. And uh, to talk from like a a fan of Broadway musical perspective, right. And sort of, or sort of to tie in, Mason and I's experience. Uh, Bring your expertise to the show. Oh, Jesus. With the the Music Man, which is like a favorite of mine. Sure. I sort of like equate a lot of things to that. And I I was thinking a lot about the Music Man when I watched it yesterday. But the best songs in a musical for me are always the ones, and this is sort of another abstract talk, and I will will come back to plot and story (laughs) and acting beats. But this is... um, the best things in a musical are when they they come across so simply and they're things that you would never expect to be said to you because they are so plain. Sure. Um, mm, so you can take like the, the, the huge number from the show, which is keys or it's all right. is like the right version. And it's just yes, through yes. banging into your head, this idea that people can be openly accepted. If you are also just open to that experience. That's um, oh my god! But yeah. it's not something that you do every day, and no, it reminded and me of the music. Yeah, and it reminded me of the Music Man and like other shows like this that just take simple ideas. Whereas like in the Music Man, their the biggest song from that show is "Till There Was You," which the Beatles sang. Mm-hmm. But that is like a simple idea. There's no cleverness there. It's just someone opening their heart and saying, "I am nothing without this." thing happening totally i'm i you're so you i love that song till there was you so much it works great it's just like a pop song and it it, you're so right it's it's like the same way that i think a lot of good like the best music is that just that direct there's nowhere for interpretation to hide there's nowhere or there's well it's not that there's nowhere for interpretation to hide but it's not trying to um it is just on the service and you can enjoy it as it is. Uh, like for, sure. so there was, you, was, there was birds all around and I never heard them singing. No, I never heard them at all. But it's, I'm, but, but with like, in relation to like, it's all right. And that, that number, I guess, I mean, it's called keys, but it, it, it's really, it's, it's called, it's all for right. Sure. Uh, yeah. the, the idea of those two things where it's like, Oh, what a wonderful thing to say to somebody. 100%. It's like, I never I'm think so that, glad. You, that you never realize that you think that someone would ever say to you. I'm so glad you brought up keys. I think that's that that section in the show is my favorite part. Oh, it's of the like show. the theme it's, of the show. Yeah, it's the theme of the yeah. It's 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 so good. And what I love is just in the storytelling and the construction of it. Um, the keys are this physical. It's 
the symbolism of the keys is so good. And of course the song It's All Right is so good. It was in my head for like hours and days after because it's the middle of the show and it's also how they close this recording is by just doing It's and, All Right. And, and Stu is just just screaming and screelting. It's, 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 he's putting it on the, the last, it's, it's the last show, it's the last ever show of this. He is leaving it all on the stage and it's so good. But just like when that number comes up in the first unfazed. part of the show. He's unfazed. No, it's it's like he was born to do this exact thing at this exact moment. Like the entire journey of the show basically was getting to him to do that and he's just it's so good. The keys when Mariana who, you know, is definitely a white like I love the the the, the coupling of those sure. two songs. There's the first one um because you know, he's so Stu the Her youth verse of it. is from yeah, is from South Central LA. And I was listening to this and it was really kind of funny uh, hearing this and hearing him talk about this, these neighborhoods, and he's talking about these areas that, like, I didn't actually, when I lived in L.A., I didn't live too far. I didn't live in South Central. I lived in technically Wilshire Park, which is, like, just mm -hmm. above West Adams, like, off of Crenshaw, right where it ends at Wilshire. But if you take uh, Crenshaw, it goes straight down. Yeah, you're right there. You're, it's, like, you're right there. And I would be, I would drive through that part of town, like, take Arlington, Actually, my my dispensary was on Arlington Ooh. and like Second and Jefferson. Damn. Uh, so they mention they mentioned Crenshaw and, and they, Adams. These are all, yeah. These they mentioned Crenshaw and Adams, and I, I drove down there, and I had a friend that lived on like Adams and like Fourth or Fifth or something, and it's just like listening to this. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ! Like this is this is bringing this is bringing me back a little bit. Um, but yeah. in that Keys song, he's like those LA ladies in their Mercedes would lock the door when he oh, sneezed or something. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so good. Or the Beverly, the ladies of Beverly Hills. And that's the thing that I think a lot of media about LA, if you're not, if you're only watching the sort of like glitzer, glamoury kind of LA stores, you don't get like, um, like the, the Charles Burnett side of things or totally. like the John Singleton side, the South central side of things. Uh, and it was, I just watched, uh, my brother's wedding a couple days before watching this, yeah. which is another story that takes place in South central LA, which is on criterion channel. Now I really recommend it. That's a different story about somebody that's lost in South central LA. It's very pre mumblecore. It was really interesting to watch actually. Um, but this is a, a story about a guy that like leaves that environment and finds a place where he can just be accepted for who he is. And it's symbolized when she's giving him the keys. It's the keys. Don't just, aren't just like a set of keys. It's like, here's access to your fucking, like the yes. rest of your life. I'm giving you permission to have a life now. And that's why that song hits so fucking hard. I love it so much. I love this. It's musical. so interesting that that song. So that song takes place in like the, like, we're just getting to the end of act one, like types part. Yeah. It's the big middle, middle of act one number. And you, it's not quite the intermission. It's like okay, right uh, before. And you see yeah, that consider yourself from Oliver. Oh, there we go. Another, another <laughs> show oh, that I was in and played Mr. Bumble. I'm not <laughs> yes! kidding. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was that. And I had the staff and everything and it was crazy. And, you know, I got to do the whole shit, but the, um, the, the dichotomy of keys, it's all right, with the black one in Act Two is so yeah. interesting mm -hmm. that, you know, they set up this idea of like, listen, we're going to, you know, we're going to help you figure this out. 
And he, you know, the youth or Stu, as you later come to find out very quickly after the black one, uh, it almost feels like the, you know, the rejection of that idea, which I feel like in a, you know, traditional narrative would happen way earlier, you know, in the story. Whereas this, Mm -hmm. it's like, no, baby, we're getting to the end of things here and things are spiraling out of control. And I just think it's interesting that that is placed at that point in act two at toward the end of the show to sort of be the, the mirror or the foil of it's all right. I think it's very interesting to, to say that, you know, Stu begins this again, like a, like a storytelling aspect. Um, and the more he gets involved, he will lift his sunglasses to the, the top of his head. Sure. Um, and, yeah, and we'll watch on. That. And again, he's, he's very unfazed. He's very passive in the, in the story that he's telling, but he's constructed like this, uh, I guess what we think it will be a hero's journey sort of sure. tale like Oliver's. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, definitely. And, and as he's watching himself, he realizes like, Oh, uh, he becomes more, he's brought into it more as the character of the youth becomes more as his, not his, I don't want to say more bitter, but his bitterness is already there at the beginning of the show. And like all bitterness, it eats you from the, inside out and then you wear it and then the worst part is when you project it onto other yeah, people. Yeah, no kidding. Which he ends up yeah, which he ends yeah. up doing. Uh which part of my whole like I don't know come I don't know come to Jesus moment when I saw it I was like oh my god why am I so angry at everything? <laughs> uh because I wasn't me or something but uh and that com- that rears its ugly head in Berlin when he is sort of outwardly like I can't handle any of yeah I, that's the that's one of the most moving parts of this whole thing is at the end when um the youth is going off on like at the you know spoilers unfortunately for the, at the mother's funeral yeah. and he's yeah. just going off like i'm gonna sleep in bars i'm gonna do all this and Stu just pops in and is like no like you're mad like i'm stopping this yeah. right now like you you will never we have to just accept that i'm never gonna see her again you're never gonna see her again and we're never gonna see i love that it's in that moment of it's that you're never gonna see her again that i'm never gonna see her again and that we're never gonna see it again uh i you're and absolutely I right it takes the it takes the meta it goes meta again when the character takes over the play yep. from yeah yeah and the character's and like i will his, and brings his spoiler brings his mother back on stage Oh boy! And, a, and another very mo- and another very uh, moving moment, and requests that the that the actress playing the mother, as the mother, ref- tells Stu that everything will somehow work out. Yeah. I don't know how, but it could. It's um, kind of like incredible. Can't really. It's very. It's, it is very. <laughs> it's, to think about. Uh oh. <laughs> we're all gonna we're gonna have a group there, cry on this Zoom call right now. God damn. Oh. Well, I mean, there's there's much to cry about in it. Yeah much to it. I mean the first Definitely. time it hits you is on um, so after this after his uh, sort of church going experience he's roped into singing with the choir yep. uh, director uh, with, yes and uh, Coleman Domingo plays the choir director Franklin who is uh, extremely uh, I don't want to say out but you know an extremely gay person the character yeah. who is yeah. uh, trapped I don't know I don't not in, who knows in a bad way or a good way, but he's trapped where he is, and he's, I think yeah. the, and the youth Stu sees that a lot of people just can't move, but he uses yeah. those people to push himself and begin his 
he's and I think that that's a thing that when you're that young and when you're that young and maybe you feel like you don't quite fit in where you are you're like you you very much want to you very much plan your life as well as you can when you're like 18 19 20 or off or you're like i don't want to be like that person right and you'd spend you you try to plan your life so that you don't end up um in a position like the 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 choir director guy where he's sort of paid i think he says that he's like paid to stay at the at the piano paid to sort of stay put almost mm-hmm. um and that's i think a very it's an it's an insightful thing and it's an it's an insightful thing um that's that that's very true and it's very um i think neglected when talking about like experiences at that point in your life when you say like media from around that point it's either all like ideal and it's like oh i wish i could go back and be a kid but like Maybe this is like me. I I don't think I'm the only person that felt this way as a kid, but I was like very like kind of confused and angry a lot just because I was like I was so ready for something different, and I just wanted yes. the rest of the world. You know, I wanted the rest of the world. I wanted to go out and have all these experiences, <laughs> and then when you go out and you have all the rest of these experiences, um, I, I think that you go out and it, at this point in my life, I have you know gone to LA. I feel like I've I've had to come back for circumstances that would be oh, out of my control, even pre, even pre COVID and quarantine and yeah. stuff. I moved back. Just I didn't even because. think of this. Yeah. And that was another thing that hit me. It was just like, man, like I made that decision when I was so uh, young and I thought that I was just, everything was just going to fall into place, you know, and that's yeah. just not how life works. And I think that's also what like, um, the, the Daniel Breaker character, the the youth realizes and what Stu like in the process of making this play, I think, realizes. And what I love about this musical is that Stu in telling the story does not get in the way of his discovery of that truth because that discovery is like so essential to his his story. He, his he has life. to let it open if he didn't if he wasn't saying anything he would be a much it's more like, angrier person he has to show his soul yeah you know? it's like it's like my favorite movie of 2019 the souvenir it's it's you know if oh you God, yeah wow you know it's uh what a double feature that would be the souvenir and the passing strange oh, you really couldn't just, do sure. it baby I would put the su- I would, <laughs> no one I would could put the souvenir first it's it's a little more oh definitely i think you know what the colder movie <laughs> yeah you I could say that souvenir, again yeah i Austere. think the souvenir <laughs> But that's also Which a movie I that, I, that I love The Souvenir. I've seen that movie, I think, I've seen that movie about half a dozen times, honestly. I, I love that movie. That's like my passing strange, almost. I don't know what that says about me as a person, but that's a movie that I come back to for... Sure, uh, to film school. Yeah, that's true. I did go to film school. <laughs> <laughs> that's... Uh, he got well, you there, Mason. Talk about... <laughs> yeah, well, maybe I shouldn't say anything anymore. I think that we just like, finally put the fuck. It's crazy how if you go to film school, you are no longer allowed to talk about movies once You're you no leave. You're no longer allowed school. to have any opinion on anything. You're just immediately invalid if you just if you go to film school. <laughs> oh, uh, but yeah, but the, the souvenir I think is also similarly uh, a movie or a work of art that's that that's very reflective and is like in the in the act of reflecting comes to the conclusion that. It was, uh, it's, it's, you can't, re- you can't erase that, that past. You can't erase it. You oh can't my. bring people back even through the, no. the, 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 the process of art even. Yeah. 
it's more than a, a what did you just call it reflecting it's it's like it's a homecoming almost almost it, i like that yeah you have to straight up like you have to move your entire like body physically to that moment well what is <laughs> yeah. that's what they do they that's what i mean joanna hawk she reconstructs time she reconstructs the 80s and Stu is putting himself there in the moment on stage he builds yeah what is the lyric in the in the in i can't remember which song it is in the second act but it's pain fucks ego and births art is that what the sentiment is? Oh, well, let me My... confront the text. Oh! It's, I believe it's... <laughs> Please! It's my... My pain fucked my ego and they called the bastard art yes. or something yeah, like that's that. That's closer to, than what I said, for sure. Um, was that very... in Stu's big soliloquy thing? That's, yeah, during the I, 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 identity part. Yeah, identity, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His, oh, in... when the youth is doing his performance art, yeah. Yes. Yeah. God, and what a great depiction of, like, just completely, um, of just self, like, just that self-absorbed, uh, uh, very real, ego-driven, yeah. like, just when you're, like, 20 or 22, and you're just like, I am the only person that's ever felt pain, and this is the art that I'm gonna make about sure. it. It's, and compared uh, to, like, Colin Domingo's character, when he does it, that felt very, like, truth. Yes. And also, like, made no sense, but I, like, it's it feels more real than the, uh, what the youth is trying to do. I did love that, maybe just because I have German, st- I am of German stock, half Irish, half German stock, but I love that German, that Germany section, even though it was like, oh yeah, you know, they're just, they're still racist, but they're still, they're trying yeah. to hide it under this veil of like, uh, uh, you know, existential or art or whatever, but they're still, they're still racist, they're still using this guy for his uh, identity as a black person to for, like, like, you know, further their, um, that's, you know, further their political aims or whatever. Um, but I did love the, the characters. And I think that especially in that part of the play, they really gave the actors like a lot of room to be really <laughs> pl- fucking playful yeah. there. Like what's yes. her name? Deandra, what's her name? Deandra. Uh, oh, Deidre, Deidre Aziza, who Deidre Aziza, yeah. nominated for this show. She's in, was incredible. Um, she plays Mariana in the, in the Amsterdam section, the first half. Yeah, she's the. But she plays uh, the pornographer. In the the pornographer. That's just her pornography is just businessmen in suits not having such just like looking at each other or something. Making it's trade awesome. deals. Making trade deals. It it is almost as if the way that this is like set up because what I one thing I was saying earlier that I wanted to talk about a little bit more is the. I want I, I, I am a little bit hesitant to use the word allegorical when I talk about this, but at the same time that word is kind of the only one that like fits the description in my mind of what I'm about to say, but it is such a interesting balance of these broad allegoricals like strokes and decisions that are being made while still having mm-hmm. this very specific and human and very, I guess, messy for lack of a better term, like study of this young man who you later find out is Stu. It's so interesting that the the line that that walks, and I think that it does that so well because it's almost as if this character has like a misguided idea of like what art will do for him. And his big like revelation yeah. is how he's been, for lack of a better term, using art uh, dangerously uh, for himself. Yeah. You know, he, he, I like that. he, yeah. he thought... He filled the God hole complex. He filled the God hole within himself with art, which I think is very easy to do 
when you're young and not to say that, you know, I'm absolved from ever doing that. But I know that when I was younger, I did it a lot. Uh, you know, you know, if you don't have you could, that idea, if you don't have, you know, religion or God in your life, you're going to fill that hole with something else. And I think if you're interested in the arts, a lot of people and a lot of, you know, kids, quote unquote, can tend to do that with art. And I think that that is the big sort of uh, revelation that this character has is that he was using art almost to mask his hurt as opposed to like use the art to express the hurt uh, instead. And I think that's the big lesson that he learns is that he, instead of hiding behind the art, he's using the art as a conduit to express how he was really feeling the entire time. Instead of being bitter and angry about it, he was being able to express that. Oh, sure. Well, that song is so, that song is very painful to listen to. Um, The work, the wound. Yes. Um, And I mean, it's, Stu is literally like almost like bleeding on the stage singing that song and you know the audience is going to eat it up because he it's very powerful and he's giving a lot of passion to it but at the same time you're just like oh it you're getting gratification from it but it's still gonna hurt tomorrow not to the people that you just sang it to but to the person you're gonna live with that forever yeah and it's uh, yeah and i hate to um Please forgive me. You're forgetting. But I was affected by something that someone said recently on uh, the television program Glee. Uh, Maybe not forgiven. <laughs> that I, um, I had been watching recently, um, but uh, someone says that like it's really insane that like all your your entire life is based on a decision that a teenager makes. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that hurts that effective that like it does and like it sets i think that it also set the tone for passing strange i think i doesn't he say that he says it's like uh my entire adult life was set up by a teenager and then he like takes a beat oh thank god he does say you know what he does say it thank god i thought it was from glee (laughs) (laughs) you know what if if passing strange is taking cues from glee maybe we were wrong about glee all along to be honest with you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how are you finding Glee during this rewatch? How has that show held up? Uh, not well, but uh, some, oh, of dear. Songs, some, of the, <laughs> some of the covers are good. The Gwyneth Paltrow. I saw you were you got to the Gwyneth Paltrow no, singing. She's Forget my she's you. my favorite singer. Yeah, <laughs> she's my favorite that's, musical artist. That's crazy. It's crazy that Glee came out and then the FX network was like just gave Br- mm. Ryan Murphy the world's biggest Everything. blank check and was like. Literally anything you want to do, Ryan, you can do it. Just, just, and then, just, and then just, Netflix was like, "We'll give you a bigger check, and you can do whatever you want." Can I ask what your guys's take? I guess before watching this on, I and again, I hesitate to call Passing Strange this, but I thought, as someone who didn't know anything about it, that, that it was going to be this before I turned it on. What, what? How do you guys feel about the term or just the idea of a rock opera? a la Tommy or something along those lines, because that's what I thought I was getting into at first. And I was a little bit reticent when I thought it was going to be that. Ryan, why don't you go off? I think you have more, (laughs) you have more, you could, you're more, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't feel any sort of ire to the term. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) It's a a real thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't find any, the part is the opera. Right. I think That's to a lot of people thing. that I think I think that to a lot of people that just means it's all sung through. 
Um, but to me, that means I'm experiencing a lot of uh, emotions and uh, morality tales. Yeah, like Tommy, that's the thing. like Tommy, like Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, I I would say that uh, in my experience, I have an aunt that's, that's really into the opera. Yeah, yeah, I have an aunt that's really into the opera. I lis- I like opera here and there. I like the uh, the Nessun Dorma scene from Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation, particularly. Yes. That's my favorite opera performance. I like when they I like when they go see La Boheme and Moonstruck. <laughs> oh, there you go. I, <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, I when I think of like a Jesus Christ Superstar or a Tommy, it's the longevity and the amount of the singing is what it's why it's a rock opera, not necessarily like I'm going on these roller coasters of emotions. Totally. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I do think it might apply here, uh, even if, like, the scale of the production isn't, like, huge. I don't know if that is necessarily a requisite for opera. No, but but I feel, I for me, I think a rock opera has to, again, has to have some sort of gravitas. Yeah. Some sort of large scope. And that not that this isn't, but this is, for the most part, a, a, like a jam session. I know, with and the, like we with said, with a story like, jammed in the middle of it, it's 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 covering these huge topics like how you live your life, the choices that you've made, the art that you make, the the nature of art, and all of that. But it's doing it in a way that's not um, trying to make Stu seem smarter than you, and that is For sure. one of my main takeaways from this. It's just how good it works um, as a work of art and as a work of expression at just. Um, working fundamentally on the level of a musical or on the level of a rock song or on the level of an album or a cast recording even. And even like, you know, we didn't talk much about Spike Lee's direction here and the sort of, um, the stuff that's, which is great because he doesn't do a lot of stuff that kind of is like, feels very showy or funky. There's a couple times just when they account though, which is what I really like is he kind of gets a little funky with the camera work during the LSD trip sequence in the beginning and then yeah. when um, the youth is in Berlin and uh, Diadraziza's character has, like, a Bolex camera, he cuts in some footage from that. And that's, like, the only time where it kind of breaks the reality of you're watching this performance and you're yeah. like, now I'm watching a movie. And I thought that was – those were two really smart it helps choices too. there. Yeah. yeah, and it helps sort of segment it apart from those – those other t- two levels that Noah described at the beginning of this discussion, the level of the, the album or the, the rock performance and the level of the, the, the musical. And it's so crazy to talk about Spike Lee's involvement in this. Totally. Where it's like, um, it is crazy. A lot of the stuff that he captures is, I feel like sometimes accidental. I don't know if there's a way to plan some of these things, sure. but there are moments that he captures that are like, Oh, I, you, you, you don't get that seeing it in the proscenium. Yeah. So when you, when you can be way house right on the stage under Deidre's arm, as her as the key is being dangled in front of the youth, and he's you know twenty feet away from her, but it's a, a great image. Or even when Stu through sweat and is just yeah. staring at Daniel oh, Breaker, and yeah. it's like the most and like crying, icy, yeah, oh. the most icy stare of like a man realizing what what his life has been and the not mistakes but it's just again of the anger and the weight that he has carried for no well reason. there is a huge exactly. difference in 
you know, in a lot of ways, he just has to sort of keep up and document what is be reactive to all this stuff. And I don't know to what degree you actually yeah. can be reactive and like do different things on the fly. Cause obviously when you're shooting a movie, you know, you think you would go in with some sort of plan. And then if something strikes you in the moment, it's like, Oh, we can sure. do this, you know, move here instead, or we can, you know, have this blocking decision here instead. But with this, you know, what can you do other than just sort of try and keep up with what's going on on stage? I mean, I'm sure you, I'm sure he got to see the show a few times before they went in on the, on the three days too. Uh, go in there because there are some crazy like crane shots totally uh, in the theater yeah. yeah um but one of my favorite things that spike does um one is that he has cameras in the pits with the band in each of their right positions yes so you can yes. see there you can see their involvement and most importantly I, I think we haven't really talked about heidi even though she's not portrayed in the story she's uh brought into it many times yeah um, it's yeah and that's also very emotional. I mean, I didn't know the first time I saw it that one, you could sort of tell that they had a relationship, but you didn't know that they had broken up right. by the time that they were doing oh, this. And really? they still work they still work together, they still write songs together. They wrote another musical. That's amazing. So um but um so he puts cameras in the pit, um, and then Mason brought up the eight millimeter stuff in the show. Yeah. Um but my favorite is during uh Keys, it's all right, uh, there's a camera at the back of the stage. And you see the audience, mm. and again, it's a Broadway audience. It's, it's, it's not all white, but it's very white. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's something you're just you're used to when you go to a theater. And it says something about access. And, 100%. You know, unbelievably Definitely. expensive. But the fact Definitely. that he gets this curmudgeon, I mean, you just assume that they're curmudgeon there at a theater. <laughs> um, he gets this, like, Statler and Waldorf crowd. Off their, <laughs> up on their feet. To... to invite themselves he bear it takes him a second before he says get up right Stu literally says get up Stu tells yeah. you to get up and people are already up on their feet they are now allowed to feel everything that they're feeling instead of being a passive member being like oh i paid to be here and i'm watching and i'm enjoying <laughs> yes very much so end of act one yeah and which is what you usually do at a play um and it's rare that, I mean, there's some pieces of music theater that, that will come across the boundary of the orchestra pit and feel you. And there are times when it just does musically. You know, you are you are swept away, but you don't feel involved still. And the fact exactly. that this right. runs out to them is amazing. And it people is. Are like, it's... They're, and they're in shock, too, that they're feeling that. And I and I and I love that Spike captures. Well, I was gonna just. It's infectious. I was just about to say that I think that you know if you want to talk about Spike's authorial stamp on this, you know he has time and time again, you know, as someone who I've not seen every single Spike Lee film, I've seen a handful of them, yeah. but knowing what he is most well known for and just capturing these young black people in moments of crisis and moments of not really knowing what to do and moments of doubt, his authorial stamp of capturing that through the camera still comes across. And I think that that almost gets mm-hmm. to the point of that we were talking about at the very beginning, which is why would Spike not adapt this for the screen? Why would Spike just choose to record? And I think it's because Spike didn't want to adapt the story to the screen, Spike wanted to show the audience passing strange 
the musical, the rock show, yeah. the performance. What is, I like is, that. Yeah. It, it explains everything. You get it when you see it. 100%. It's everything that you get. We were all talking about. Yeah. You can watch a Tony Awards, the four minute Tony Award performance right. where they do It's All Right. It's not the same. No. It is not the same. I mean, I, it's just, even when I was watching this, and this is, we should say for the audience, because we haven't said it yet, you can watch this performance on YouTube. I believe it was on PBS, so maybe you're not technically stealing it. I don't know, but this is split up it, in two yeah. hour-long videos on YouTube. I own, um, the, I own the DVD, yeah, so. Oh, uh, that's like, a real, no fake fans on it's on the list. Yeah, no kidding. No fake shit. Um, well, I mean, the first time, when the first time I saw it, I was like, well, I have to own that. Right. Like, yeah. 100%. <laughs> uh but it is you, – you can watch it. And I was watching it by myself just in preparation for this on one of my days off. And even I yeah. was sitting in my little – in my little uh, – my my captain's chair here where I spend most of my time during the day answering phone calls and emails, helping people get their you know shit figured out with my job. And uh, just sitting here watching you know whatever content I put on my DVD player. And I am very used to just – if I'm not in this seat, the only movement I'm doing is like – out and then like down my road to take a walk and then come back but i was sitting in this fucking chair and i was just like vibing out totally the entire time you it's it's undeniable this show's energy and like you said ryan the the there's there's a power of theater that i think you can't really replicate easily with other art forms which is why i love going to the theater but the, again there's like very ventry with the cost and stuff is when you are in the yeah. physical space with those those performers like with like flesh and blood humans and they can break the invisible like the proscenium arch and and breaks the reality of that and like whatever the contract that you've signed invisibly to say like this is the performer and this is the audience yeah when that naturally breaks and it can come to you and speak to you and i think that's it's what best, this yeah. this music musical does i think that's what this 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 movie does also because it can like come through the fucking screen at you and you can be part of it, it takes that like that thing that people talk about well, like in theater school or even in high school where you're just like, oh, we're, it's a communal experience to be in an audience. But rarely does it ever feel that way right. when you yeah. see a play or a musical. And here it does. It feels uh, like a little get-together. Almost. Noah, how do you feel about this musical? Do you? <laughs> I feel like Ryan and I've been going off here. I don't know if you. No, I. Do you have uh, any other thoughts here? I think you know. I you know. I would speak up if I had. You know, I spoke up when I had something new to add. But you guys are, you know, crushing it as far as you know hitting those main points is concerned. I, uh, you know, it it in a lot of ways, uh, I find it very difficult to talk about it without. Be experiencing it first you know i think that this is something yeah. that that is yeah. so hard to grasp we can explain it the best we can you know i think we're doing a pretty good job you know i think ryan is you know crushing it as someone who like is bringing it you know this piece to the show and just you know you know i yeah if this isn't selling you to literally go out and either a buy the dvd of this or watch it free on youtube i don't know what will i think this has to be uh, just po you should definitely post the links to the youtube uh, oh we are going on, to underneath the uh notes. yeah underneath the community resources whatever for this week this is know, also a community donate, resource this is a community resource um, because you know what it is taste. it is very important to do that um but it's the idea of like uh, you can watch anything from anybody's experience and yes. if it is truthful enough it will mean something to you 
look at me. I look at look what we we prefaced before that. And, I mean, we open we open with that. I I would completely change the way I needed to be. Totally in a yeah split second like that. Yeah, just as a like little aside, we've we've talked about this movie on an early episode. I don't know if you've seen this movie, Ryan, but I am always so shook. I guess for lack of a better term. Every time I think about the fact that David Gordon Green directed the movie George Washington. George Washington. Sure. It is yeah. mind-blowing to me that a white dude was able to convey an experience with mostly – there's mostly black people in that movie, you know? And it is just such a testament, like you were just saying, where if you – portray an experience so specifically and so honestly you know it'll touch everybody that's the goal at yeah. least and i don't want to misconstrue well, what I'm, you said no but i mean that's a good that's a good observation but i mean and i think that is a very interesting that's a very interesting movie and a very good uh movie I'm, I mean, for me but i mean the idea of like i think what i maybe should have said that like you can watch it, it doesn't matter whose experience it is sure uh, again, I think right. it's just real enough, and the fact that you know it, it got across to three white guys right now. Exactly, it's not yeah. special. It's just it is just it's it's just you. It's just life. You get it. It's just good art. There's nothing. Just, yeah, and if it's a good piece of art, to, it'll do. You know, that. There's no. It's not homework. Not every experience of of the black of black filmmaking is homework. But um, I, I would also like to. I think I, if we could touch on some of the performances. Let's, I would love to touch on some of the performances. Let's let's get into it, Ryan. Who do you got? There, there's some really special stuff in there, um, and again, these are theater actors mostly, um, so you, you, their stuff is only accessible if you are in New York or if you're at uh, any sort of theater setting. So to get yeah. that here is very special. And I, th- I what I was we talked about it earlier, but um, it's a level and a heightening of a performance that. Some people sort of criticize or misconstrue. They just don't understand what theater acting is. Or if they are criticizing it, I don't think they understand what acting is, period. Sure. But um, sure. Uh, to see that here is really incredible. And we've talked about Deidre Ziza, who, again, she plays not the love interest, but she's the first uh, female that he meets outside of his mother. Um, yeah. Who is giving her soul to him which his mother does that and Issa Davis who plays his mom who does I don't want to say the least uh, with as a company member but she does only, she does only play one role and comes in and out every now and again god she's but she's incredible she like she just just that's that is the you know for yeah. as much as she is the heart of this show you know um and yeah, she and, then, and, and it, it, her performance is incredible, and especially when, um, just just this the pain that you feel she is holding her entire life, and just she's trying so hard, and she's so sweet, and trying to, her best to love her son, and her son's just not interested in in reciprocating that that back, and it's so yeah. good. And then when she shows up at the end, um, and it it just to uh, to forgive, yeah, to, com- to comfort Stu. Oh my God. <sighs> And she comes um, out in that purple dress. Oh, I don't want to spoil the dress, honestly, but she looks in. It's yeah. an incredible costume change. She's an incredible costume change. <laughs> There's close-ups of her and, and the other actress who yes. is really incredible. Rebecca Naomi Jones. Uh, yes, I fre- love her. She's a frequent, a frequent Broadway actress. Um, and Issa Davis writes for. She's a 
writer and performer. She writes for the She's Gotta Have It television. Oh, very cool. Version. No way. Yeah. Bring it back to Spike. Uh, and then Deidre Ziza and Daniel Breaker are also in uh, Red Hook Summer. Um, so oh, okay. They've, sprink- they've been sprinkled in um, Spike's work. Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, but Rebecca Naomi Jones plays... Oh, what's the character's name? The... Uh, 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 D D or something like Deidre or something. Desi, like Desi, thank you. Desi, um, and they have this conversation of art. Yeah, essentially, and, and uh, Stu changes his position as a storyteller. He joins them at this large table set as center stage, and Spike gets very close and gets in on their faces, and it's amazing to watch her act. She is yeah. so free yeah. of of text, of lyrics, of uh, direction. It seems unbelievably natural. It does. It seems, it's. I don't know if you guys are big fans of the HBO series High Maintenance, but she has a little recurring oh, yes. spot on High Maintenance yes, yes, as yes. the guys as the guy's ex wife's current partner. Um, yes pops in a couple times at the very end of the first season a couple times in the second and third but i was like trying to play remember where place where i knew her from then i saw that she was in high maintenance as the guys uh in the episode that she's in the first episode she's in at the very end of the first season where she just plays this completely um stressed out this is this this stressed out neighbor of his um like like with this um desi character really through her performance, you do are just invited. And you know exactly who this person is, just from almost from second one. I, I love her. She's such an incredible. And then when she opens her mouth to sing, it's like it's amazing. Um, I got I got to see her on Broadway recently in this uh, past revival of Oklahoma, the sort of radical, right uh, avant garde avant garde version Ooh. of it, and she was. Um, she was incredible. Yeah. How avant garde can Oklahoma be? You tell me. Uh, I will tell it you. Took place it in was, Missouri. It was, <laughs> it was very. It was very avant garde. The house lights were up for the whole show, and um, the dream ballet was danced by one one person in a t shirt. Um, it was. Uh, it was very. I very much loved it. It was another sort of thing that I surprising thing that you don't get to see a lot, but it was. Um, it was an experience for sure. I very, I very much loved it. I very much love uh, it, but it was a capital E experience. <laughs> yes. Do you have any final thoughts on Passing Strange right now? Um, I'll just go. I would just go for it and say, like, you know, uh, my 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 initial wondering of this was, what the fuck is this going to be? You know, straight up, like, I had no idea really what I was in the you know getting myself into, and I think with sometimes, at least personally, with pieces like this that are so large and small at the same time, it is almost yeah. hard to wrap my head around exactly what I'm seeing because everything is, is also this show goes at a breakneck pace. We talked a little bit about the beginning, yeah. how I don't know how they did this eight times a week. You know, clearly they had a very small run. You know, that's just the, the facts of the matter. I don't know yeah. how they were able to do this show eight times a week and not, you know, literally pass out, you know, from exhaustion. But, uh, it's it's there's a lot to take in while you're watching it and it's deceptively it's actually kind of a deceptively complex uh story in the sense that 
There is a lot mm-hmm. going on. There's a lot to absorb. There's a lot to think about and watch. But at the end of the day, it's a very simple message and a very straightforward message in that uh, what this what this character, the youth, experiences and how he basically learns to you know let go and uh, pass pass through and you know grow as a person and through his art and basically stop shielding himself from the hurting of life and the hurting of what he's feeling on the inside. And uh, it's a really worthwhile experience, whether you like it or not, you know, it, it doesn't, I don't think it matters to be honest with you. This is just something that's worth watching. So as we do ceremoniously on this show, whether we recommend things or not, I will be the first to say that I fully recommend passing strange, not just the recording, but wow. also you yes. have to listen to that? that cast recording. That cast recording Please, by yeah. itself is just phenomenal. If you are somehow unable to get away and watch the rec- watch the actual recording by Spike Lee, at minimum you got to pop on that cast jam. recording. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. I will also fully recommend this. It's a feast for your head. It's a Woo! feast, and it's even better a feast for your heart and a feast for your soul. It's just it's uh um it's it it made me uh yearn for uh i guess just a a communal sort of joy a communal joy that i feel like we're all gonna feel uh, at the end of this covid thing uh the end of quarantine and then once we uh have started the work towards a brand new society uh at the end of all this revolution the the, the joy that we will feel the celebration uh that's been a feeling that has been getting me through a lot recently and i felt i think a taste of that through this musical so passing strange is a very life-affirming very lovely very um it's a gorgeous piece of art it'll make you feel better no matter what if you don't have the two hours to watch the whole thing definitely give yourself the time to listen to the original cast recording on youtube on uh spotify and i did a little bit of checking out of Stu's other music not in the musical, and that is also very good. Good songwriter, this he guy. I like Stu. He does rock. And not, uh, not just to and to quote the to quote the thing, and then we'll let our friend Ryan cap us off here. But this is not just a pass. <laughs> this is not just a passing phase. You know, this is uh, no. Nope. <laughs> yeah. This is this is uh, you know things are changing, and uh, you gotta you gotta see Passing Strange to I think. Uh, really start to understand that to a certain degree. I think that I think that there's a lot to behold in this and what's going on in the world is not just a passing phase. So if for some reason you're living on the other weird side of history, come on in. The water feels great in the revolution. Not to say that <laughs> I'm this in the future. <laughs> not, to, not to say that I'm, you know, yeah. single handedly fixing everything because I damn sure I'm not. But uh, it's not just a passing phase. Uh, you got to check out Passing Strange. Ryan. Take us home. No, it's a it is a it's a growing uh, process that you have to work through every day, and you have to confront every moment of pain, whether it's going to be enjoyable yes. or not. Um, and that uh, I, I hate to be the you know it's it always feels weird when you have to be like love is always going to be not that love is the answer, but the it's the thing that glues every person together and it's the first thing that you always learn yes yeah as, as a child but so, it's always going to be the first thing you forget as well wow and it and it takes a lot of that? work and it takes a lot of work to get there again 
Yeah. Uh, so, and so hearing, I mean, not to jump back into it, but there's a, him, him and Heidi have that last piece of music together. Um, mm-hmm. He sings to himself and then she joins him. Um, and it's very um, reassuring that you can go through, even no matter, you're still going through something, but no matter where you are in life, um, whether you're angry or upset, uh, whether it's just a horror show for you every day, there's always going to be someone to your right watching you and um, giving to you at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you may not know it. And that's the best thing about Passing Strange. Um, and to... I also, I forgot to mention that the term Passing Strange comes from Othello. Yes. After he after he sees Desdemona yeah. for after he sees Desdemona for the first time, it's in that speech, which says a lot about um, him and Heidi and the show, I think, as well. Uh, in that moment, of, it's a uh, life is a very difficult thing to go through. No <laughs> kidding, <laughs> big time, <laughs> big time, <laughs> big time. Listen, listen, we get it's it. It's a shame listen, that okay. we it's a shame that we have to do it. It's it's really. I, <laughs> Man, I know. Hey, I just started with a new therapist this week. We're about to get way deep into it. I love that. I'm Amen. so happy for you. I love to hear that. I think uh, all the, I think all the best things about uh, all the best movies and stories, musicals about uh, a life experience always have some sort of struggle to it. It should always seem painful. It's sh- yeah, uh, and you can and you can find that in. Well, I'll bring it back to the Music Man. You can find you, that. It's all there. It's. Uh, life just life just comes back to the music man you know there's nothing you can do about that's it. what like, we're just, always it, saying on this podcast is that it always comes back trouble. to the music man in river city we baby we got trouble Ryan is there anything that you want or feel the need to plug before we say goodbye uh, I have nothing to plug except uh, please donate as much as you can to any sort of organization locally if you wherever you are it's always good to give to where the, the places that you are currently settled in totally um mm-hmm. uh, to whether that is uh groups collecting money for uh members of the black trans community or your local yeah. chapter of black lives matter they're everywhere um i've been doing that a lot try to attend if you can't attend a protest um be vocal on, on your twitters and stuff like that that's all that i really have to plug i, I mean you can follow me at oh no i don't even <laughs> the big moment is here and he doesn't to, know the Twitter yeah, to, handle. You know, to, well, to, it used to be yeah. very something like, it used to be very easy to access because I used to, I had a funny name and I changed it to my real name. There you go. When I wanted to be professional. Of course. Um, you can follow me at, at R-Y-N Kenny and Kenny is with as an extra E and we'll te- we'll put you in the in the show notes here so if people and letterbox I guess follow there. me on letterbox there you go yeah yeah good follow definitely follow the de- great the, follow I'm, Ryan I'm, Kenny on letterbox I don't I don't do anything on letterbox I say that I watch the money pit <laughs> you get you know you did I saw that today you don't just say you watch the money pit you give a dictionary definition for I'm sorry I can't even remember what it is off the top of my for head dirty hangs dirty hangs dirty, dirty, dirty hangs that's right yes yeah, it's, 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 it's very a dirty important. hangs. <laughs> it is. 
Ryan, I'm so glad that you were able to join us on the show this week. No, I'm glad uh, that we all almost cried together. I know. Yeah. You, it is. I feel this is a really special episode, and I'm glad that you were the one that brought it, that you that, that you facilitated this in, in, incredible discussion and brought on this incredible work of art. Uh, you can find the show on Instagram. It's on underscore the list. On Twitter, it's on the list pod you can send us a gmail everybody wants to the number two get on the list at gmail.com that's also how you can find us on facebook uh we are on (laughs) (laughs) you can find us on uh soundcloud stitcher wherever you get your podcast be sure to rate review subscribe like yep uh all of that jazz you can find me on instagram at hot dog and on letterboxd uh, if I have to recommend something, we're going to, like I said at the top of the show, we'll put some more resources. Donate. Uh, I believe a lot of local DSA and BLM chapters are having like kind of remote meetings. If you still don't want to break quarantine and go out, you can meet with uh, and people and organize that way. Uh, or you can find uh, ways to just collect food to deliver to areas. Um if, if call your local your administrations, please. Call your local administrations. For, for yes, police perform. defundment. Oh my goodness. Definitely. Oh my goodness gracious. Uh, you can get. They are talking. They are talking. It is not that they aren't talking. They are talking it's, about these things. They I, I know. It's. I feel like we have a very Chicago and LA centric show, and I know that LA just took some very important steps towards without defunding. a doubt. Uh, which has been not enough. But I was just about to say it's it's a really good yeah. first step, but there's a lot more that can and should be done. And if there's yeah. one thing that I'm encouraged by, it's it's people aren't gonna take well enough alone on this. They're they're really pushing. It's gonna be fucking hard work, and my heart and and my heart is is with them. I want to support them as best as I can moving forward. Uh, but it's gonna be hard fucking work, and it's I do am emboldened by the amount of people that aren't scared by that amount of work. Now, uh, I'd also say I want to. Uh, I would also say this week donate. To the Black Trans Travel Fund. The Black Trans Travel Fund is a mutual aid-based organization committed to uplifting the narratives and supporting the livelihoods of black trans women. Launched in June of 2019, BTTF was developed for the purpose of providing black transgender women with the financial resources needed to be able to self-determine and access safer alternatives to travel, where women feel less likely to experience verbal harassment or physical harm. Text from the Our Mission page of the fund's website. Whoa, I didn't know about that one. That's very cool. Noah, what's up with you this week? How where you can find you? What's up? You can find me on Twitter.com at Moa Narger. You can find me on Letterboxd at Moa Narger. You can follow me on Instagram at Noah.Marger. That's dot spelled D-O-T. You can follow Wild G World if you want to laugh right now, if that is something that you're interested in doing. Uh, but if you're not as well, I get that. But the Wild G is at Wild G World or dot world. Excuse me. That's Wild G dot the actual period, not the spelled out like in my Instagram handle. Um... Yeah, you said the show stuff and everything, so that's all good and dandy. Um, I would highly recommend for free on Amazon. You don't even need a Prime account. You can watch the Black Power mixtape, 1967 to 1975. Great documentary. Learned a ton. It's kind of a, I don't want to say comprehensive, but it's a lot of kind of stuff of like, oh, wow, we really didn't learn this in school type stuff. Like you, Mm -hmm. you see from people like Stokely Carmichael and Angela Davis. It's actually pretty criminal. We don't talk about Angela Davis. Uh, in school enough that woman is pretty yeah. amazing you know considering that a she's still around you know still rocking still you know fighting the good fight but b uh there's an interview with her in that movie that is 
eye-opening to say the least um i think i want to say that's either 1972 or 1973 because the movie's broken up by year you go year by year from 1967 to 1975 you literally don't even need a freaking amazon account to watch that one at least as of this recording that could change but i really hope it does not because it is a great piece of uh cinema and just an amazing you know historical document as well so that's my little recommendo uh this week we made it to the end of the episode. Thank you very much, Mr. Ryan Kenny, for joining us. Thank you, Ryan. You're welcome. Thanks. Oh, I, can I do my? I didn't. I forgot that you're such a big Family Guy uh, <laughs> fan, though. Can I do my? Can I do my Lois impression? Uh, literally, nothing would make me yes. happier. Please. Nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that something that she says? Yes, it is. I think we just need to end the Famous, show. Don't right they all now. cheer for her? <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, Hate Black it. Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, uh, and uh, abolish the police. See you all next week. Bye bye.